The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. I have Adam and Majid joining me today who are part of Indico Labs. I'm going to let them just do a brief introduction on themselves before we get into the podcast. Thanks for having us, Seema. My name is Majid Sahibzada. I'm the founder and CEO of Indico Labs, and we're a data visualization business and product. I'll hand over to Adam. Yeah, thanks, Seema. This is Adam Baker. I'm the CSO at Indico Labs. Thanks, guys. Now you know why I had both of them introduce themselves because I would do a disservice to Majid in pronouncing his last name. So thank you so much, <laughs> yeah, there, you guys. There wasn't an issue with my name. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I don't want to single anyone out. So you guys, we've known each other for now almost a year, a little over a year, almost right? A year. And it's been a journey advising you guys through this process of your company. Give us a little background as to what pain point does Indico Labs really serve in the marketplace or address, I should say? Sure. Well, Indico Labs was um, born out of two key uh, forces. Number one, there's been a massive push from the industry to deliver results and insights faster. Uh, clients are not particularly happy with waiting for a few days or a week. They want the results now. And on the other side, number two, as an industry, we seem to be saturated with data. There seems to be way too much data, so much data that the researchers don't seem to have enough time to interpret the data fast enough to create the deliverable for the client. So with those two things combined, we are essentially creating a data presentation product that streamlines the process of generating reports, enabling the researcher to quickly interpret the reports, create the visuals, and to deliver to the end client much faster. And so I'll give you a bit more history into how this kind of came about. I worked for a end-to-end -end market research company called YouGov, which is currently you know, one of the biggest in the yes. world. I worked in their technical operations department, and it was basically our job to find efficiencies within the entire market research workflow that YouGov provided. And what we found was a key bottleneck, a really obvious bottleneck when it came to the reporting mm -hmm. element of the business. So we had at YouGov, we had inbuilt tools. We use software from other organizations for practically every single part of the workflow. So we had really good tools for panel recruitment, management, for data collection, for survey design and data processing. However, at YouGov, we were using nothing for the reporting element. There were no solutions to kind of automate the production of PowerPoint reports, which is, you know, the key deliverable, the key deliverable. to the clients. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so we identified that as the main pain point in the entire workflow. 
I was delivering the reports to the researchers much quicker through code. And then they would essentially add their insight and deliver it to the client. So we saved roughly about 80% of the time that it would take for very senior researchers Mm -hmm. to kind of do data entry, essentially. What they were doing was copy and pasting data into PowerPoint and then spending a lot of time formatting Mm -hmm. and positioning elements. I mean, not only was this a really bad use of their time and you know these are very experienced market researchers but it was error prone as well so it wasn't yeah. an ideal for them to kind of copy and paste data in and then wonder did I get something wrong so we built this purely code-based solution that ran in the background and delivered automated emails to the researchers with the deck mm. now that was a solution that kind of met some level of need but what I wanted to do was give the power to the researchers to enable them to build their own PowerPoint decks using the data that they had so what I decided to quit my job at YouGov and I went and built this online product that automated the production of data presentations. And when I was doing that, I had essentially two customers in mind. I wanted to satisfy the needs of tech-enabled products to kind of integrate with this solution. So it had to be an online solution to satisfy them. And then I also wanted to satisfy the needs of traditional market research agencies who have essentially you know, a bunch of humans who kind of need to drag files and generate decks. So that's how the idea all came about. How many years has it been, Majid? The product launched in 2019. Okay. Uh, So it's been roughly about three years since we've been in operation. And then, you know, one of the first things I did was uh, speak to Adam about the solution, the prototype that I had built and asked him to join. Yeah. For me, I was one of those researchers that Majid was talking about, you know, spending you know, the early mornings and the yes. late nights sitting there copying and pasting data from Excel to PowerPoint. And I had left YouGov in 2017 and I'd spent a couple of years doing consultancy work and those types of things in, in other market research agencies. And it's the same problem everywhere I went with a lot of wasted time spent on this reporting. So Majid calls me up in 2019. I'd literally just gone into another company and was feeling quite settled there. And Majid said, look, I've got this tool that I've been working on come and have a look at it and he showed it to me and I was like the reaction when we show it to potential Blown clients away. now it's always the same thing I yeah. wish I had this 10 years ago you know to help me do this work so yeah when he showed it to me in 2019 at the time we thought it had everything it needed it was amazing and obviously the tools that developed and gone so much further since then as well but yeah I just jumped at it when he showed it to me that's amazing it's kind of cool that you guys both experienced the same pain point at one company. And so when you started the company and you got Adam, there was probably not a lot of convincing because you felt that pain, right? In terms of populating those charts. And and by the way, then having to get them QA'd because it's human, humans that are populating and and double checking the data. So tell me, you know, what has been the receptivity in the marketplace as it relates to the product? Have people, I guess, let me ask you this. I find that there's many different types of people in the industry, some of which don't want to change necessarily their practices and some people who are kind of like, there's got to be a better solution. What's been kind of your main takeaways when, as you approach potential clients and even existing clients? I think we've been lucky enough 
not to struggle with interest. I think we've had a lot of interest from day one, from really big organizations to very small organizations. However, there are massive differences in adoption between the two. However, Mm. what's clear is we're solving a problem that seems to be very important to these people. So we've had practically zero marketing spend to date. And we've already spoken to a lot of the main big players. We've spoken to customers in the US, Australia, here in the UK, across Europe as well. So even though we're a small business, and even in the early days in 2019, we didn't struggle for interest, Mm. which was really, really positive because it kind of validated that this was a really important problem to solve. So I think where we've been finding a lot of success is with small to medium-sized market research agencies who are growing at a really fast rate and they need a way to compete with Mm -hmm. some of the big players in the market. So they have a lot of work. They have a small team. They need to find efficiencies. They need to introduce some more innovations to kind of compete with the bigger players. And those are kind of our key target audience right now they're the ones who are more willing to say this is really good it'll bring us some value and we're we're happy to pay for it and it's classic right small to mid-sized companies can change quickly they're more agile because there's less people and less process that they have to be obsessed about and you know they can train five people quickly versus 500 people on a new tool so that makes perfect sense and i'd also imagine those companies their differentiation is really high-end insights and consulting. And so this gives them more time to really focus on that and continue to reiterate their competitive differentiation in the marketplace. Absolutely. Adam, you're out there every single day, pounding pavement, as they call it. Absolutely, (laughs) What is the thing that you've learned through this process in terms of, you know, selling a tool that you know for sure addresses pain, but still there's to convert that interest into a paying client. Like, do you very quickly know the signals? Yeah. You do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean, as Majid said, to begin with, we spent a lot of time just going and speaking to everyone. Yes. We learned, it took us, I would say, I've been doing a lot of the the selling, whereas Majid's been focusing a lot on the product side. And it took us a a good year, I think, to realize that our sweet spot really is with those smaller Mm -hmm. agencies that don't necessarily have a dev team in-house or the money to spend in building their own solutions in-house. But I think for me, the biggest learning that's that's taken me a little while to get to grips with is just, I felt like I've had to really learn to become resilient. Yes. Um, I don't have a traditional background in sales, but as an early stage startup, you've got to wear all the different hats. And it's been a really large part of my role and nothing can really prepare you for bouncing back from that kind of rejection. So um, for me, actually understanding which agencies you can go and support and which Mm. ones I've spent a lot of time with some of my sales mentors and, you know, our good friend, Tim Hoskins um, talking about, okay, how do you understand? Mm -hmm. How do you get to, if it's going to be a no, how do you get there quickly so that you can focus your time on, the clients that do want the support and do have the money to spend on solutions that can improve their workplace. Yeah, that's so true. And I think entrepreneurship and early stage startups, I mean, the key word is resilience and also, you know, being able to, should I dare I say the word pivot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that you guys have to, but yeah, it speaks to kind of continuously learning from the market and adjusting accordingly to be able to grow and scale your business. Majid, give us a sense of what it felt like when you got your first paying client. 
I, I still remember the day because we celebrated with the pizza. Pizza front day. I think it's, it's so much fun in the very early days where every single sale is celebrated yes. to the max. Yep. You know, like every single sale is such a big win. Yep. And those days it felt amazingly rewarding to kind of close a client and to, you know, help them find efficiencies, give them that ROI that they've been looking for. So it's it's rewarding on multiple levels. But I think, you know, like I said, our kind of journey to kind of finding the customers and closing the customers, it wasn't so much to kind of gain interest. We get, we still to this yeah. day, we get a lot of interest. We do a lot of demos. It's more, you know, how do you, how do you close this particular client? And, you know, like Adam said, you kind of focus on what questions can you ask to quickly find out if this is going to be useful to them or not? And, you know, the other thing is knowing what sort of tools are available to you mm -hmm. to kind of utilize. Like in the very early days, I wasn't aware of tools like Sales Handy, for example, which is like a cold email sequencing mm -hmm. product. And it's, you know, super cheap. I would advise anyone new who's thinking about getting into the startup world and building a product to kind of familiarize themselves with these type of tools because they would save you a lot of time and energy. Whereas I had no idea these type of tools existed, you know, because I wasn't from the marketing world. Right. I was spending a lot of my time and energy, like personally reaching out to people on LinkedIn. And our very first client was actually a very small market research agency based in London, UK. And the product that we had at the time in 2019 was very basic. It didn't have any of the bells and whistles that it has now, right. but it was good enough for that client to see an ROI from using it. They, they were a very small research team that had a couple of really big clients and they were essentially looking for a way to generate these PowerPoint decks in minutes instead of days. So my advice would be, you know, focus on the customers who are happy with what you currently have. Yes. Don't focus on, you know, uh, this product is going to be amazing in yep. two months time and then I'll be able to sell. Sell what you have right now. Yeah, I agree with you. And then also you've already done some lead development when you have those other features, you can go back to them. And in essence, it's kind of like you're building leads for the future and qualifying them for your roadmap as you go further along. When we were using this strategy where we started this conversation with a really big player and the player would say, you know, I need a feature X, Y, Z. And we would, our reply was always, if you can fund that feature, then right. we're more than happy to kind of prioritize that. And actually, we had a lot of clients fund a lot of our features in mm -hmm. the early days. So, you know, don't be scared to ask clients, are you prepared to pay for it? Because a lot of clients would be willing to pay mm -hmm. for some of the features that they need. So it's a great way of, you know, funding some of the features for your own product. I think it's important to, to also keep celebrating yeah. the wins as well. You know, it doesn't matter whether, for me, the feeling doesn't really change from our mm -hmm. very first client to when we sign up a new client now. It's, we always make a point of telling the team about it and, and celebrating that because, I mean, it feels great. It's all of the hard work's paying off. And then what's really cool is hearing about the, the impact of the software and how and what the software means to the actual client. So some of our clients will tell us they're producing the slides. Each slide, is, they're doing it in a fifth of the time. If you think about just one slide, that means instead of doing it in 10 minutes, you're doing it in two minutes, which yeah. doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're doing that 100 times over, yeah, that's incredible. And 
and what that means to them in terms of what they can do with that time that they're getting back, spending more time on actually, you know, feeding back to the client and, and speaking to them about what that means to them. Yeah. I think for us, it's really important to celebrate what impact we're having on the clients as well as just each time we sign up a new one. It's so true. And I'm glad you guys are doing it because it's so easy to forget. Because as soon as you sign somebody, you're like, okay, where's the next one coming from? But this startup journey is hard. And you know, if you don't take the time to celebrate the wins, then it's like you're exhausted every single day yeah. because you're constantly chasing for the next thing. We don't always get pizza though. <laughs> but well, every time. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Right. <laughs> So you guys are based in the UK, London, and what's it like working with clients all over the globe? What have you learned? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that generally the US market for us seem a little bit more willing to accept outside support than maybe in the UK, but obviously every agency is completely different. So, I mean, I've made that sweeping generalization, but every agency is different. And as Majid said earlier, our our sweet spot really is in supporting those smaller and medium-sized agencies. And it doesn't necessarily matter where they're from, Mm -hmm. but what we've seen taking off in the past six months or so cross all of our markets. So we work with clients in Australia, Mm -hmm. around Europe, obviously in the UK, US, Canada. It feels like every agency, no matter where they're from, at the moment, there's a lot of open vacancies that they're struggling to fill. And there's a real recruitment battle in the industry. You can't get away from it. Every time I'm on the phone to a customer, actually quite often we start our sales pitch by asking them about what open vacancies they have at the moment and how long they've been open. And it's, you know, it's a very long time. And mm-hmm. I was talking to our recruiter who we were at Quirks London yesterday, and they were saying that for now it's busier for them than it's ever been in yeah. terms of the number of vacancies that there are. So those companies that are struggling to hire, we have a report population service and that is just taking off at the moment because all we're doing for them is giving them a solution where we can just ease their workload, yeah. whether it's through actually populating the decks for them or doing it through custom code that will then automate moving forward. But just to be able to basically ease that pressure and give their researchers back a bit of time, mm-hmm. um, especially while they're all struggling to recruit, is making a big difference for them. The one thing that I think is so interesting, and I know you're aware of it, but the value of time right? Like you keep saying that you save so much time, you save so much time. And it's the one thing that you just can't get back, right? You spend hours and hours doing a task and you say, Hey, listen, I can get you 80% of your time back. That's pretty incredible value proposition. It just dawns on me that, you know, when people say I'm used to doing it this way, how do you kind of argue with saving 80% of time. But anyway, that's for another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so Majid, I know you're in, in a fundraising mode. Give us an idea of where you are. And obviously you just announced another investor in the company. Yeah. Thanks for raising this, Seema. So we're currently raising for a seed round. We're raising $1 million to help grow our business over the next year. We're mainly using the money to put into this new product, that we're currently building and to expand the team. We've so far secured around 40% of the total and we'll be looking to close the round in about in two months time. So if um, yeah, any of your listeners are interested in learning more, you know, they can contact me directly. That sounds great. And obviously LinkedIn, they can find you on LinkedIn Absolutely. and they can contact me and I can make sure they get in touch with you as well. 
Great. With that, you guys, what does the future hold? Where do you see yourselves in five years? Five years is a long time, but let's say three to five. That's an interesting question. It's a difficult one as well. I think what we have is a vision to be essentially the world's best end-to-end market research product. And what we want to do is focus on three core pillars, which are automation, collaboration, and API integrations. So the way we see the world in the future in terms of market research is one where most of what the end clients want to do is automated with Mm -hmm. some way of them, you know, some flexibility built in, but trying to automate as much as possible. And then trying to find a way for not only the researcher to kind of work in in a silo, but potentially with their colleagues and the end client within the same environment as they're building out these reports. So instead of, you know, waiting until the client reviews your work and then emailing you and saying, hey, actually, can you change X, Y, Z? You can do that collaboratively in one environment. And then finally, I think there's going to be a massive push within the industry over the next few years to allow everyone's apps to kind of speak to each other. So right now we have an API and what we want to do is push and expand the offering of our API services to get to a stage where if there's another new startup and they need a particular element of a market research workflow, so say, you know, they need a data visualization suite, instead of them going out and building their own product, they can essentially, you know, just use an external product, potentially our product and connect to it through an API and then render their results within it. So I see a lot of potential in kind of bringing APIs forward and letting people connect the dots themselves and bring, you know, new innovation to clients through it. So those are the three things that we want to focus on on the next kind of five years. But if I'm completely honest, (laughs) our product will be driven by wherever the, you know, our customers. The market is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like we're constantly talking to our clients saying, what what features do you need? What would you like to do next? What, what are the problems that you're facing right now? So as much as, you know, this is our kind of vision and we think this is where we might head to. But ultimately, our customers are going to decide where we end up. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it's always nice to be anchored in a kind of foundational point of view and kind of test that against clients and prospects as you continue to grow. Absolutely. And like some of these things, you know, we, we went to Quirks um, and we, we saw some of these elements in loads of different products. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really interesting just seeing the type of innovation that currently exists within our workspace. And there's, you know, innovation in so many different levels. I mean, the number of tech enabled market research companies that we saw at Quirks was incredible. Uh, what it shows to me was that there's a lot of backing from VCs and yes. they see a lot of value in research technology. And, you know, there were some amazing products there and each one had their own kind of take on, you know, different elements of the market research workflow. And it was, it was just super fascinating to see where the industry is going and what every single player is doing. Even, you know, even the kind of traditional market research agencies, even they have digital arms now, you know, right. they're, they're building their own products and they're, you know, talking about APIs to us and they want to integrate. Uh, it was just absolutely fascinating yeah. to see how the industry is evolving. And there's a lot of, I guess, you know, like hybrid businesses where they have both, you know, a traditional offering services consultancy and, you know, they have like a tech side to their business as well. So sure. yeah, really fascinated by it. 
Yeah. I mean, I also consider validation, right? What you guys are doing. It, it can, is at one point, you know, people could look at competition or other new entrants and say, oh no, this is not good. But in, from my perspective, it validates what you guys are doing. And number two, it just makes you stronger and get more competitive as you go to market. Adam and Majid, thank you so much for joining me today. You have a very bright future and wish you all the success in the world. Thanks, Seema. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.